You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. Mara Sagate is an experienced marketer and evangelist leading Branch's marketing team, as well as many of the culture initiatives at Branch. Growing Branch is an adventure where she gets to do what she loves most, helping and educating mobile brands on how to get more users and optimize their mobile experiences. Mara is the app's marketer's biggest advocate always thinking of new insights to help app developers grow their apps. When she's not working on the branch dashboard or partner products, Mata likes to go to growth hacking meetups, play with dogs, play with the latest addictive mobile game, and Mata has a BS in computer engineering from Cornell and a master's in design from Stanford. This entire conversation was spent talking about sales and lead generation. I tried to structure the conversation around growth because for the most part, that's what Mata speaks about. And, and how she is able to, and how she in particular grew and is currently growing the company branch. I don't think there's one piece of advice that you could take from this entire conversation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what I do think is extremely valuable is the ability to listen and understand the themes in which Mata is actually presenting. Mata talks about the importance of SEO, content, and even events that originally grew branches uh, company and, and, and lead generation. I had the luxury of actually going to a branch event about four to five years ago in Chicago. It was a very small, intimate um, conversation and, and, and event, but weirdly and oddly enough, it, it worked really well. I remember them and I, I remember the event specifically because I was re- thinking to myself, like, why? Why? Who is who is this company? Are they big? And at the time, I later realized that they, they weren't all that big. But I remember that I got swag, uh, i.e. Uh, t-shirts, and, and I think they even gave out hoodies because it was cold out. Um, and to this day, I, again, I still remember it. it. It's safe to say that the typical millennial and startup norms of giving out swag may not work for some, but it did work in this particular case. It was an absolute honor having Mata, uh, somebody of, of her caliber, being on, and, and intellect for that matter, being on the show. So let's get right to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the blind entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co. P-E-N-J-I dot C-O and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Mata, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, I am very grateful for your time and and I want to get right to it because time is of the essence. So before we get into all this fun stuff about growing companies, we have to lay the foundation as to why you are a qualified expert to talk about mobile growth. Why am I an expert? Um, 
Well, I've been on both sides. Um, before Branch, I started a company called Kindred. It was a mobile app. So I spent about a year and a half of my life uh, running marketing and growth for an actual app that I was starting. And then I moved uh, and started Branch. That is a tool um, that helps other companies with mobile growth. So Branch is, has helped over 40,000 apps uh, from tiny ones to really large ones like Pinterest or Airbnb grow their user base. And I've been, I've had like a front seat to their growth uh, and helped with their strategies. So I guess I am qualified uh, from being both uh, a grower myself, but also a consultor, consulting, consultant for other growers. Yeah. And, and I was a lot of the basis and my reason for actually asking you to come on the show was based off of uh, a couple of speeches that you've given at multiple conferences. I feel like you're at like every major conference. <laughs> known to me. I, I, yeah. I, I end up speaking more than my co-founders. I'm like yeah. extrovert out of our founding team. Founding team. <laughs> well, likewise in my founding team too. So I can relate to that. Um, but I loved one of the, the talks that you gave about virality and one of the key, one of the uh, quotes that you said uh, that was written on one of your slides was getting something to go viral is hard, but making something go viral through mobile is nearly impossible. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about virality and why is it so impossible to go viral in the world of mobile of mobile? So when I talk about virality, I usually break it down into multiple things that can drive virality. And, you know, I, I learned a lot about virality from reading and, and from researchers who've actually um, done a lot more, like they've actually looked at the data and tried to understand what drives virality. And the things that have really resonated with me, and I've seen them work really well over and over again, are uh, three. One is this idea of ego. So we tend to share things that like um, we feel can help with our ego and can make us look good. Like I would share something about something that I've created or something that makes increases my status in the world, uh, including um, there's a book called Contagious by Jonah Berger. And some of the tips that he talks about there actually, actually feed into ego. So this idea that you would share advice to, for others because it makes you look like an expert. Um, so there's a lot of tactics around ego and then there's a lot around emotion. So emotion, if you share things that are, you know, make, make you have strong emotions and the stronger the emotion, the more likely you are to actually keep sharing. Um, and then the, the last, which most people actually, this is the one they focus on, are actually uh, rewards and incentives. So people share because they're incentivized to do so. But, and so the reason why I think it's so much harder on mobile, to go back to your questions, is because mobile is a really a broken ecosystem. So someone, there is no like, there is nothing that links Android and iOS and web together. So when, when you talk about rewards and incentives, actually like keeping track of those rewards and incentives can be hard. Um, so that's one. And then even when you think about sharing of content, you might have found something really interesting and shared with a friend, but they might, if it's something in an app, it's actually creating a link 
that actually takes someone within an app, let's say you're sharing something from an iOS app and then someone's on an Android device. So getting the same experience that the initial, the, that the referrer had to the person that's being referred sometimes can be complicated, which I think, I think those, those breakdowns make referrals and sharing and the things that actually drive virality much harder in a app mobile world than it was on the web. That being said, what, what I said in the, in, in, the, um, in the presentation does stand true. It is hard to get something viral, viral regardless whether it's mobile or not. But those like broken little steps make it even harder. And I'll give you an example. Zynga grew virally on Facebook early days because people would share like the game and they would get like these free credits and then they would share with their friends and they would get more credits for their city or whatever. And when they moved to mobile apps, actually those referrals were impossible. So that's when Zynga actually stopped growing as virally as it had on Facebook and started really struggling with their growth and had started buying users and things like that. I think it's really important as a business owner myself to make decisions that's based off of data. And I feel like that's your world is making decisions based off of what it is that you're able to visually see through user experience numbers, et cetera. How important is the data behind seeing that experience making it seamless um, in order for you to make core strategic decisions to move your business forward? I mean, data is actually, data-driven decisions is one of our core values. And we've had that from day one. We've evolved our values over time, but that has one that has actually not changed at all. Um, and it's, it's really interesting, I think, um, if you don't make decisions based on data, then I don't think you can actually like really succeed as a company. I, um, I, have like when I think about like the way I think in life like I have a lot of hunches and I think I like I have a lot of empathy and like in my personal life I probably make decisions more instinctually and the way I kind of learned to marry that with data is that I would use my instincts and my feelings to come up with an experiment to run and then I would run the experiment look at the data and then decide should we scale this or not? Because mm. a lot of times like I have ideas and I want to try something out and I want to, there is no data, right? At the beginning, when you start a company, when you have a new idea about the project, you sometimes, sometimes you might have some data, but it's usually not enough to make a decision. It's enough to like tell you, hey, let's run an experiment. Um, so I think in general, like, we think of ourselves as an engine. You put data in, you, you put like inputs in and then you look, to look at the data and then you figure out, should I scale this thing that I did? Is it working? But in order to, to, to make good decisions based on data, you have to have, when you set up an experiment, you have to have like specific expectations. So we failed with our startup, branch our fourth idea. And many startup founders asked me, hey, um, how did you know that it wasn't working? Because sometimes people like, when do you actually know it's not working? And to do that, you have to actually set up goals in advance mm -hmm. because then you can actually be like, well, we said we wanted to double and we haven't, we're not even close to that. 
the number of like subscription or something in the past two months. So like if you actually come up with goals, then you and a way to measure an experiment, that's the only way you can use data to make a decision. I think the bigger problem is people have so much data, but sometimes they don't know what data they can use to make a decision. Yeah. I mean, like given the example of like the, uh, the seamless experience that you just gave when it comes to like a rewards program, um, sometimes you might have the data that says that the customer does want a reward program, but then at the other time there could be, uh, they may not necessarily use it within the mobile experience. Have you seen that being true that people have said, this is what they want, but it ends up them not using it at all. And that can be from like within your own business versus like the customers that you work with. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think, I think sometimes the mistake that, um, people, you know, product teams can make is listen to the loudest voice and not really, um, not, not really like think about is it's just a loud voice. Um, and this is actually what everyone wants. So, um, like when you prioritize features, it's important to actually look at like usage beyond like someone complaining about, you know, I don't know how to get from like step A to step B. Like, obviously it's important that you like hear that, but then you have, you have to look at the numbers. Is there actually a drop off rate from point A to point B? Like, um, and I think there's usually I think the people who say they want something, they usually do want that, but sometimes they might just be a minority. Yeah. Or maybe it's just not reciprocated through how they're, maybe it's just not obvious through the user experience within the mobile app itself in order for them to figure out how to use it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit, something that I think is near and dear to, to at least my heart. And I know it is to yours as well, which is, the growth of the company. And I like to kind of share a quick personal story about how I originally found out about branch. Um, I went to Chicago. I'm, 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 I'm based in the East coast and I went to Chicago and I went to this event probably about three to four years or so ago. So probably right when you first started and I went to this event and, and I see these like people giving away all this like swag and t-shirts and things like that. And I'm just like, you know, what is this company about? How are they like, what, what do they do? These, these people must be huge. Um, and, and I ended up doing more research and I found out that it was a one year old company and here you are just like doing so, so amazing and, and, and so well. And fast forward now I'm talking to you, but I went to an event that from what I'm understanding somewhat launched the company to where it is today. And so it being now a five or six year old company, you started off by running events and meetups to kind of grow. Was that how, was that the catalyst between the growth of the company and was, and how important were meetups in order for you to grow no. to where you are today? No, no. I mean, it wasn't the catalyst by 
For sure. I mean, we were growing, we were, meetups were just like an interesting way in our early days. I remember going to Greylock and it was, you know, branch is not actually even five years old. We're like almost five, but we're not quite five yet. And so um, very early on, I think maybe we were four or five months old. I remember going to Greylock and we're talking about how to grow. And he's like, this guy who had grown his company, he was like an entrepreneurial residence. He was like, you know, you should like find all these different, um, pick, pick, a, pick a topic that you think you're very relevant to and your company as you grow will be relevant to beyond what you do today. And just own that topic everywhere in like content and events. And so, you know, my co-founder Mike and I on the way back from that, we were brainstorming and we came up with this idea of mobile growth. That was the topic we wanted to own. So we start. We decided, okay, let's just do a meetup and see what happens. And like, we just put some or meet something on meetup.com, and we just we just did it. And um, you know, I got some speakers, and we got a lot of like, we got a bunch of like beer from Safeway, and called five pizza places to find the one that had the cheapest pizza. <laughs> and um and we just did it and it was like it kind of worked and then we're like oh this is great we like talk to people we learned let's do it more and then we started doing, doing it once a month and then we started realizing that this could be actually like a good way for us to interact with potential customers we realized that the people we were inviting to speak could potentially also be customers that the places where we're hosting them could be customers so we started like it started like shaping into something that would really help with our thought leadership. And then we decided to scale it <coughs> internationally. And that became very interesting. Um, and it, it kind of grew. Now we do about a hundred a year. Hmm. But we grew out of alongside branch and it is a way for us to build awareness and get lead generation. Um, and it's also a way for us to give back to the community. Um, so it's a very, yeah, it's definitely a strategy that has worked very well for us. Do you, uh, I'm, I'm curious, I want to dive in a little bit deeper in, in that idea. When you say, I, I guess from the initial aspect of, of the growth of the company, like how would you say there was a certain percentage of people of customer base that came from the events and if so, like, what do you think that percentage would be? It's probably and like 5%. 5%. Well, even, even in the early days? Yeah. Interesting. So then from that perspective, that was like your way of getting brand recognition. Was there anything that was, that was a, a great way to uh, the 95%? So now we have 5%. Where does that 95% yeah, come There in? is no 95%. Everything adds up, right? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, a big chunk are, are just inbound direct. So people who just word of mouth, and I'm sure the meetups help to that. Uh, meetup um, events in general are probably, probably more like 10%, but we do other type of events. We do dinners, we go to conferences, we do a lot more. And then the other thing is we do a lot of content. So organic search. It's a big, um, and then a lot of it is outbound, like about, you know, 50, 60% is just like our sales 
team prospecting and then actually inviting them to meetups and doing like yeah. meetups touch more than 5% but they're the original source for probably less than 5% of our customers That's it's just more like they do help influence some deals along the line along the way yeah and and so like when something that i was reading just even on your linkedin page and i love the way that you promote and, and describe what it is that you do. And it says that you lead marketing at Branch where you help coordinate a team of exceptional individuals who organize events, write educational content for the mobile community and create product marketing. So the word community is the most important thing. Can you tell us a little bit more about some ideas that we could take with us today in order to grow our community? Because, and, and, and here's my reason as to why I asked that question. A lot of people that I've talked to on this podcast, they, they want to create a community themselves. Yeah, yeah it's but, very hard to but create. They're, they're, they're not specific enough or they're not actually creating enough value in order yeah. to deliver the education that they, that they yeah. so think that they want. So how can, give us some takeaways today yeah. for, for creating. Because the biggest takeaway, this is something that, you know, I fought with my co-founders in the early days before we had them, uh, is that to build community, you can't sell your product too much, uh, maybe a little bit. But people build all these meetups and they build a community and they think, and, and the problem is, when you're an early startup, people, you can't create the community around you and your brand because you're like too early and there's too little people in there. You're not interested enough. So you need to figure out what people need and give them value there. So our meetups are, you know, in the early days, we didn't even need to talk about branch. Now we talk maybe for five minutes. Well, most of it, uh, the bulk of it is just people on the panel talking about their problems and sharing and being vulnerable. And that creates community, right? Because you come to these events and you feel you can listen from peers and meet with peers. And it's not like you're not being sold to. Obviously there is a little bit of selling because we pay, you know, it's free to come to our meetups, but it's not like, it's such a small percentage of the event is you learning about branch or our tools. And it's more about like learning from peers and meeting with peers. And that's what I think really builds community. And in the earlier days, I think there was this feeling that I think the rest of the team had that we're not getting enough value, that we're putting all this time and effort into these meetups and we're not actually getting value out of them. And I think for me, I was like, and then it wasn't just me, we had someone who was leading our events team and, and our community and her, she agreed with me that these meetups like need, they need to be a community and we can't be too salesy about branch. We need to continue to make it a safe space for people where people can share about mobile growth and it needs to be very clear that this is really a community and not a place. And you know, like people really want to sponsor our meetups. We've had people offer us hundreds of thousands of dollars in sponsorships. Interesting. We had someone who wanted to be a global sponsor and offered us a lot of money, but a lot of the changes that they wanted us to make to those meetups would have made it less of a community. So we actually ended up not going with many, with sponsors. We, we only have one sponsor in addition to branch for any, any meetup. We don't do more than that because because we're not, we're not turning this into like a sales event, but, but an actual community where they're learning and the focus is on that. 
Um, so I would say that that's, that's my biggest advice. And then the other really big thing is that it is kind of a beast of its own, this community now. Like we can't turn it into whatever we want. Like there are people and they have ideas and we, we tried at some point to make them branch meetups and it was like terrible. Like that was a terrible idea. Changing it to branch? Uh, creating other meetups that were, no, we didn't want to create it. We wanted to create other meetups that were branch meetups and like use this community to come to those and that just didn't work. Mm. So we realized that we would build a branch community at some point, but probably one or bigger. And if you look at like, you know, if you're Google or a really big community, you can start creating, a, I mean, we, we are creating community of customers, but that needs to be a very different community than a mobile growth community. And I think it's important to think about it that way. Yeah. I've, I've been reading some of your, um, some of your blogs and I just feel as if that the content there is just, it speaks directly to the individual that is in need of that particular uh, problem. And it goes pretty in depth in terms of like how to solve it. And it's, that's to me that that comes from a leader who is, has, you mentioned the word empathy in the, in the very beginning, you, you want to understand as much as you possibly can about the person. And you're talking to that person while you, you write these, how difficult is it to, to teach other people to have that mindset in order to con consistently think about the customer when writing about, when writing blogs? I mean, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it is hard, but I, I'm very proud of the team. Uh, I don't write that many blogs anymore. And Alex, our CEO who used to write a lot more doesn't have as much time to write. So I think now like the team kind of does it and I think they're like really good at it. And yeah, I, I guess just like when you're writing the content, um, are there, like, do you have any, do you have any guidelines or anything like that? Because like, for example, uh, here, here's my reason for asking this. Sometimes when, when I write a blog or a team member writes a blog, they write and they write and they write and they try to add as much value as possible. Do you have any like structure or guidelines when it, when it yeah. comes to actually writing a, a, a piece of content? I mean, we used to have a, Right now, like we don't have, uh, we, we went for a period where everyone was writing and basically what, to get the blog, they had to come up with an outline and then I would review the outline with them and I would actually have questions, you know, challenge them. And now we have a pretty good editing process where we have like, every blog is edited by someone um, who asks questions and like, ask them to like take a, you know, does this make sense? Does this flow? Is this a good story and stuff like that? So, and so we have like, I think we have like the process of like working through a good outline of someone and then editing their stuff can really help make a blog better. Yeah. And, and so something that, um, in addition to like, you know, you say talking about blogs and how important it is to actually driving traffic in addition to, um, having these events and, and having the brand recognition, et cetera, et cetera. Now it comes down to conversion and actually growing the company and actually making sales in order to get all these people that are aware of what it is that you do to get them to become a customer. And I'm curious to hear a little bit more about if, if we follow the steps that you took, right? If we, if we did events and if we start blogging, we get a lot of traffic through Google, 
what are some techniques that you would recommend to us in order to help the people that are listening uh, to obtain more clients from all these different marketing and uh, strategies that you've used? I mean, I think the biggest thing is to clarify, to, to be very clear on how, what is the problem that they have and how you can help them solve it. So in our case, we help with broken experiences on mobile, we help them track, and we, one of the best is actually going and taking screenshots or videos of their app and showing a broken experience that we can fix. Um, or going and, and, and asking them about specific numbers that they see from their ads and uh, or we ask them about like, the ability to track people across web and app and telling them when we can help understand their user journeys. So really like focusing on what is the actual problem that they have and then paint the world in which we solve that problem and then paint the, world, paint the picture in which we also talk about the impact that they can have, you know, and, 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 and the impact can be that they make more money, that the person in charge of the branch project gets a promotion, or that those are the kind of things. It's like painting a world in which like something is broken right now um, and something's not working, um, and, 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 and then we can make it so much better for them. Yeah, that's extremely powerful. And when, it, when, you, when you reach out to these, uh, when, when you reach out to these customers, um, Actually, let me, uh, let me, let me, let me catch my train of thought real quick. Um, some, something that I'd like to ask when it comes to growth, when you're growing your company and you're at the forefront of it, I'm sure there are moments and times where you think that something could be working and it just doesn't from the perspective of somebody who is like me in my company to somebody who's like you in your company, what are some things that you use in order to get yourself by those periods of maybe uh, trials and, and tribulations in order to help grow the company? Like, how do you stay back on track, whether it's personally or professionally? My co-founder, Alex, I remember, Someone asked him, asked him, like, what's the best advice you would give a startup founder? And, and he, his advice that I think is really great, and I stole from him, it was just keep building. Hmm. So I think there's this idea that in order to succeed in, as a, if you work in a small company, but probably pretty much in life, um, one of the biggest things that you need, and I don't think you can be a founder without it, is resilience. And meaning that if you're the type of person that fails and you can't get over it, over and over and over and over again, then you can be a founder. Um, because it's just too much, I think. And I think as founders, we actually see this more uh, because we take so much more responsibility. And you know, I think there's like, there's this idea that you have to build regular resilience, like something doesn't work, no worries, let's, we're, we're going to come up with a new plan and this is a new plan and this is what we've learned and we're just moving on. And then you also need to build emotional resilience. I mean, it can be very hard to keep failing and I've been there many times. 
um, and keep and, and not just failing because it's not you failing. It's just like you just keep trying something and it doesn't work and it doesn't hit the market. And I think it's just you just can't let it get to you. And you need to build a way, find a way to actually build um, emotional and probably work resilience. And you need to build teams that are also resilient. And as a leader, I think it's very important that you don't let it get to you because the team looks at you. And if it, if, if, it bring, if something brings you down, it will bring the team down as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's incredibly powerful. Um, I, we're so appreciative of your, of your time and we're so grateful for all of the learnings that you've been able to give us today. I'd like to kind of just close out um, by just asking if there's anything, how can people find more about you? How can people find more about your business and potentially become a customer? Sure. I mean, just branch.io and uh, I'm Mada at branch.io and um, that's it. I think if you just go and we have a lot of information on our blog, on it's a lot of on our website. Um, if you're looking to improve um, the measurement or experiences of your mobile products, we're here to help. And I think that if you, in addition to all the things that you just mentioned, definitely go out and check that. They'll all be in the show notes. I also have to give some shout outs to your Twitter account. Um, if you're ever interested in what, what Mata actually uh, reads, excuse me, watches on, on TV, I feel like you have a running list of all the different things on, uh, uh, on your Netflix account. Is that true? Uh, maybe. I, I, I have very particular tastes in what I watch on TV, and I, I do sometimes tweet about it. I did recently, so yeah. I'm not surprised <laughs> to find it. Yeah. Very cool. All the links will be in the show notes, everybody. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Mara Segete. All right, listeners, I'm sending a worldwide challenge. I'd like you to take a look at your current to-do list for the day or even the following day. Look at it deeply and think to yourself, is there anything on this list that if I don't do it today, my business will be just fine? Focus on the things that truly matter and the things that move boulders and not pebbles. And when you do, tweet me at J. The spelling will be in the show notes for you to click on. Or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment uh, on, on this week's episode. You can find more about Mata directly at branch.io. And the spelling of her name is M-A-D-A-S-E-G-H-E-T-E. And again, all the links will be in the show notes if you want to connect with Mata directly on LinkedIn or other social platforms like Twitter. Uh, and as for us here, you can check out Penji at penji.co if you need a simple, easy, and affordable graphic design solution for your business. And head over. To, lastly, head over to our podcast website, which is tbeshow.com. If you, enjoy, if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could just share it with a friend. It's the only way that we can cure blindness in business. To everybody that's still listening, go out there and execute your vision. Everybody have a great rest of your day.